podcast how you doing long time no speak i haven't done one of these intros for a while but it's just a quick reminder to say special thank you to trinity for coming onto the podcast this was a huge guest for me uh, and a really enjoyable one but also if you guys enjoy this in any way shape or form i would really really appreciate it if you leave a review or follow me over on twitter at league talk show thank you so much i hope you guys enjoy the episode Hello and welcome back to another episode of League Talk, the podcast all about management, coaching, performance and all things League of Legends. My name is AJ and on today's podcast we have CounterLogic Gaming's Director of Esports, Trinity. So Trinity, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you giving up your busy schedule, especially with all of the flying you've been doing to and fro for Detroit, where the, uh, the matches you guys were playing for uh, third and fourth place with CLG. So why don't you give us a little introduction about you and yeah, thank you for your time again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me on and uh, being able to speak. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is Matt. I'm the director of esports here at CLG. I also go by Trinity. Uh, yeah, my background is mainly in traditional sports and clinical psychology. So I, uh, I'm a master's in clinical psychology. I was a therapist or I was, should say, uh, acting as a therapist for about six years, uh, working with different clients uh, from families to children to adults, uh, addiction, all that good stuff. Um, and then also, too, I, uh, I also have my background in traditional sports. I've always been a competitive person, uh, an athlete, and got to play uh, through college. And then I was a co-commissioner of the Southern California Collegiate Volleyball League uh, wow. for about six years as well. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, fortunately, when I was looking around for probably a year or two prior to me getting to esports, mm-hmm. um, I really just held out till I found the role that I felt really fit me. And fortunately, at that time, I found this role opening uh, to which CLG had never had this position before and got the interview with Devin Nash and uh, Hotshot GG at the time. And mm-hmm. really, they were looking for somebody that could understand and team building and how to manage people and so with my background traditional sports and clinical psychology they uh, felt I was really good fit as did I and it just you know we've we've done a lot of good stuff since and so excited to be here at CLG and it's vastly different than when I first started back in 2016 Uh, but uh, yeah here we are and um, a lot of the the fruit of the labor being put in behind the scenes is starting to come to fruition here. So it's a, it's an exciting time for us. Amazing. So you must've been there for about three years then if you joined in, you said 2016, yep. right? Amazing. And uh, Yeah. It's all, I think it's three years this month or next month. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations for your anniversary. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks. So you said before getting into esports, what was the, you said you were traditional sports for, for a long time, obviously with volleyball yep. and things like that. What was the, the thing that sort of yep. got you into esports? Normally there was this like, sort of eureka moment where people realize like oh esports is really where i want to go to so was there one of those for you um so it wasn't so much that that actually so i'd been playing games my entire life Mm -hmm. my dad uh owned a video game developing company and so i've always been around gaming uh or video games rather uh definitely on the publisher developer side and kind of understood all the ins and outs of it and the lack of glamour that (laughs) actually exists (laughs) behind the scenes yeah um, and so I actually didn't want anything to do with it, um, funny enough. And then uh, it was really, you know, post-college, uh, post-grad school when I'm, you know, I was doing therapy full-time and uh, just really had this itch to continue to compete. And because it was the first time in my stage of life since I was four years old that I was not playing sports and, uh, you know, gaming was just always there. I was watching esports on the weekends and, you know, I just really... You know, I just really need the outlet to compete. Yeah. And 
So decided to look into esports to kind of fulfill that inner desire that I had, mm-hmm. uh, and seeking that that outlet that I knew I just kind of needed in some some form of uh, yeah. of capacity. And so yeah, so I, I was looking into it, and you know I I've been able to fulfill that obviously through you know building teams and uh, working with the guys uh, and and our girls as well. So that way we could go out and compete at a really high level, and so. Um, I feel like this role really is very fulfilling in a lot of ways, uh, and I still get to use a lot of my background and things I went to school with, and it just looks very different than mm-hmm. uh, how I originally intended it <laughs> to be. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, absolutely. Because I, yeah. I, very rarely do people go, uh, you know, my experience is all, I've been a traditional sports coach for 10-odd years now, 9, 10 years. Um, and and mm-hmm. I basically got into video games through just my friends, and then it was like a, there was that moment for me that I was like, oh this is perfect this is exactly what i want to get into yeah so it's it's interesting to hear that side of the story as well especially with your dad what video games were you playing when you were a kid was there what sort of console would that have been as well um for me i so i go back to nes sega saturn days uh sonic on um on sega was 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 fun and then transition to more i would say battlefield 1942 and warcraft 3 were were my jam for a while nice. yeah and then uh put a lot of time into that <laughs> and then call it then high school and college happened and then uh went from heroes of new earth to league and so, nice. so you played a bit of league now i just have to play everything <laughs> yeah i just because i have to know what's going on so yeah, i don't actually course. get to play anything specific so i'm always dabbling in a lot of uh a lot of games yeah just because the job requires it too of course because that's one thing that really interests me, yeah? and a lot of the time for people who aren't necessarily very familiar with the business world, or more so more uh, not so familiar with the esports world, and when you combine those sort of things, mm-hmm. it comes a lot of confusion, you know. And one of the things that uh, some people don't understand, and myself included in one of this, is sort of how you would describe the job that you do, and what does it entail? Because there's so many different mm-hmm. sort of high-end business level sort of jargon that can be in there that can be quite confusing. So for those who haven't heard of your role or don't necessarily understand. Yep. what it entails how would you describe that it's a really good question <laughs> so it's gone through a lot of evolutions over the past three years um we've had an acquisition uh, from madison square garden yeah. we've had uh, different uh, executive leadership groups coming in and out and so uh, through that there's been a lot of changes i guess you could say mm-hmm. um so i think probably the best way to answer this is is where it's currently at yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> i would say in the past um anywhere from like four to nine months it's been it's been changing uh in a positive direction and i think our our fans are beginning to see the the output of a lot of the changes mm-hmm. that we've been do- doing internally but we just haven't talked about it um but really right now uh it's overseeing the coaching and the infrastructure internally within the department. So everything from the new hires that we're, we're making, um, what systems we want in place for different games, and um, what are we looking to achieve in, the, in these different titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've been working more directly um, with the executive team in MSG specifically around our direction that we're headed in terms of games and titles that we want to mm. be exploring and why we want to do that, um, which was kind of happening before, but not to the extent that I think that it um, could have been. And mm-hmm. so um, 
again, like I think we're making a lot of sound decisions uh, as a group. And again, you know, I think 2019 has been very exciting uh, for us as a company <clears> because <throat> our female CSGO team has made it to four finals. Wow. We went four out of four for finals mm -hmm. internationally. Uh, the league team obviously is having its success. Our Smash players are are crushing it as they as they do. Mm. Um, Fortnite, we got a second place finish uh, with Psalm at the World Cup. Uh, we had two players over the weekend qualify for the Fortnite Championship Series. Right. So there's a lot of exciting things happening competitively, um, and I think a lot of it uh, stems from the great staff that we have here, and also to like I said, we're, we're really reevaluating. Re um, some things and so the new systems in place that we've put together I think mm. are really yielding these results for us so it's exciting times well yeah for sure congratulations I didn't realize quite the success obviously this podcast is predominantly based in League of Legends so I was uh, yeah. I, know, I was researching yourself and, and getting into this sort of stuff I was finding out about your, the League of Legends team the Apex team CSGO Smash Fortnite all of these titles that you guys had but I wasn't as, yep. a, as acutely aware as quite how successful all of these teams had been of recent you know so for sure congratulations on that that's amazing yeah, thanks. Because with those, you know, with this job title, you're obviously the director of esports, not director of League mm -hmm. Legends, not director of CSGO. Yeah, yeah. So for with this job title, there's so many different games that you're involved in, and, and we've spoken yep. briefly about the success there. But each of these, I presume, is vastly, vastly different to the prior. You know, being League of Legends has its differences to Apex, has its differences to CSGO, and so on and so forth. But I, whilst uh, you know, you talk about the differences there's surely some veins that have similarities some core tenants potentially that you invest in maybe that's staff for example and the infrastructure around the players but what's it like being involved in these different esports that clg partakes in and are there some big tribulations that go across that maybe the differences you know really do have an effect on the players or something for example yeah absolutely so uh first is exciting and fun uh mm -hmm. because they all have their own unique personalities and their own unique ecosystems uh, even the player bases themselves are different too. So um, it's always interesting, whether it be signing a new player through recruiting or doing a new contract. Um, it's just they have their own unique uniqueness to them, I guess is the best way to kind of uh, say it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really getting embedded into understanding what that looks like and some of the challenges <laughs> that kind yeah. of comes with it as well. Uh, but to kind of answer your question in terms of you know, how do we kind of handle them and like what are the, some of the things that we put in place? Uh, infrastructure wise, we want it to look pretty similar across the board. Uh, mm -hmm. We would like that continuity and consistency uh, for our players in terms of treatment, in terms of what we're able to do to support them. Um, we really want to invest in our players and I can confidently say that we do do that yeah. and confidently say that we probably do it mo better than most organizations mm -hmm. and the reason why i say that is not out of arrogance no, no. um it's because a lot of or orgs actually copy what we do um and that's i think that's some things that fans don't really know or recognize mm -hmm. um and so with that being said of course on league our infrastructure is a little bit deeper because mm -hmm. of a variety of reasons um the complexity of the game um the kind of resources that are already naturally being pumped into it uh, and what it means for our company. Um, but with that being said, it's not vastly different than, let's say, our CSGO uh, red team. Um, and yeah, just like the way we want to treat them or, or operate with them is is pretty consistent. Mm, amazing. Because, you know, pre previously to having uh, yourself on the podcast, I spoke to Summer, who was fantastic, mm -hmm. by the way, obviously from CLG. Um, with player development and things like that that's one of the 
things that with my background in traditional sports, it's so common, you know, that people regularly will invest in their talent, you know, and in esports, yep. the people that I've spoken to, uh, I've worked in the UK scene for League of Legends and there isn't much, much investment into talent, maybe it's <laughs> because of, you know, yep. being able to pump money into it, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but the infrastructure that you guys have put together is astonishing, right? And the reason I say that is because it is, it has so many parallels to all the wonderful things that I've learned over my time as being a traditional sports coach. Um, and there's yep. two main things that really stand out to me in terms of CLG's infrastructure. And I know that uh, I spoke to you about this previously that I think is really, really important because it was something that you also had a, a hand in. So the two things are the performance center and yep. the coaching structure of the League of Legends team. And you said, obviously, it's a bit deeper when it comes to League of Legends. Um, but we'll start with the performance center because this is uh, one of the few of its kind, right? If I, I know Team Liquid have something like this in North America, but in terms of your mm -hmm. uh, performance center, it was one of the first, if not the first, that allows players to have their own housing as well as their place to work, which I think is an amazing uh, change that was sort of inevitable in a way, right? Um, and I know you had a strong involvement in the process of this, but would you mind talking me through what, some of the things that you were hoping for, hoping to put together, uh, and what were you looking to do when this project came about, this performance center? Yeah, so good question. So when I interviewed back in 2016, mm -hmm. it was at the uh, CLG house at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, during my interview, I had brought up, I said, hey, this is cool and all, um, but don't you guys run into these challenges? And I yeah. listed variety of challenges and most of them are kind of boundary based um, meaning uh, how do you have your bosses living in the same location as you uh, when are players players and when are they off like yeah. when is staff on when is staff off like there's just there's a slew of issues and so um, you know in, in the interview they kind of chuckled and they said yeah like absolutely and I had brought up the idea I said hey have you guys ever considered like moving away from this format yeah. And they said, yeah, but, and then they just, you know, there was a lot of reasons why we couldn't mm -hmm. do it, um, to which most of them were pretty fair, and I understand. So fast forward to 2017, um, acquisition with MSG. Uh, again, this topic of a facility revisits itself, uh, and it begins to manifest uh, into something very real. And uh, MSG was very quick to get on board and understand the value add here and how this is really helpful. Uh, for both driving esports in a new positive direction, but also to what it was going to do for our players, for our staff, and just really impact the organization as a whole in a very positive mm. way. Um, and so in terms of my role and what I was looking for uh, out of the facility, I think we accomplished many of them. Uh, you know, I was part of the team that got to go out and visit and, and look at the different office spaces, and there was many that we were considering um, and while we're considering them, it's not just the space itself, but it's actually how do you utilize a space and then how do we grow with the space over a period of time? <clears throat> and so we had a lot of those discussions, but ultimately the, where we landed, uh, where we are currently, uh, allows us to fulfill a lot of those needs, everything from giving players dedicated practice rooms. Mm -hmm. So that way they have a place to come and practice in separation from work life yeah. and their personal life. Um, we still have Andrew, who's our, our uh, chef, who's awesome, and he's able to still provide meals for us and uh, cook and, and operate out of here. 
And of course, we have our full-time staff, uh, everything from content to the esports department to the business department. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's here in one location. So that way, it's kind of like a one-stop shop for our players. And we just really want to alleviate a lot of the burdens that esports has kind of placed on players within yeah. reason. So mm-hmm. everything from content creation to basic dining to yeah. uh, having their staff available to work with them in person, uh, we do have that. And then for our remote teams, this space is always available for them to come to boot camp. Um, if they just happen to be in LA and want to stop by, like, you know, mm-hmm. doors are always open and, and available. And the space is literally 24-7, so we are in esports, and sometimes we do work in odd hours, and uh, we do have that flexibility here, too. So, um, yeah, all in all, it's been a very positive experience. Just like anything, of course, there's there's drawbacks, but I would say by far and away, it's been a, a huge net positive for the company and our players as a whole. Yeah, because, uh, you know, when I heard it was announced first, I was, I was quite happy for for esports to be moving in that direction and to be moving away from the old uh, the old way of, of living in terms of we all have 10 people in some sort of a house or apartment building mm-hmm. and that, you know, I was happy to hear that that was the way that you guys were going um, and we saw yep. on, you guys released a video tour of CLG obviously and managed to see loads of that and how amazing that looked but we also saw Dash come by from uh, the analyst yep. desk and that was a, a video with you involved as well so we, we, mm-hmm. we managed to see a little bit more about it but was there any like pushback? So whether that was community pushback or maybe internal pushback, when this was announced and when this idea was going through, did you notice that many people were, uh, let's stick to the old, let's stick to what we know sort of thing? Because obviously any change is bound to have a level of that. But how, how much of that was there for you guys? Um, personally, I didn't experience it or hear of it if it existed. Um, never made its way <laughs> to me. Um, I think our players... I think our players, especially on the league side, were excited to embrace mm. it for a variety of reasons. Um, the way that we have our player housing set up, um, players have the option to, to go live, they, they choose. Mm. Um, and so we're giving them flexibility and, and some freedom there. Um, <clears throat> so with that being said, I think players were excited about that because living and working and breathing esports all day, every day, and while fun and exciting, does take its toll. Mm. Um, and same thing with our staff. I think they were kind of excited to, at the time, to uh, begin to embrace that. Uh, like, hey, I actually go to work and then I come <laughs> home and I can turn off. Yeah. Um, even though many of us, when we come home, we just sit in front of our PCs again anyways. And keep <laughs> of course, yeah. But that's a, that's a separate discussion. Um, yeah, so I think that ultimately, you know, there wasn't a lot of... Uh, resistance i mean there's a few minor things that came up here and there but nothing that would indicate that anybody was like bummed about leaving Mm. the housing situation yeah because i I guess it allows people to be a bit more independent you know and that's something that had always been not much of a case everyone's like oh well you know at the pick a name g2 house we end up doing all of their laundry for them or you know this sort of stuff so i guess it's a, a nice curve to allow people to really become like for want of a better term like functioning human beings to be able to learn how to pay bills and things like that you know yep 100 percent. so to put my therapist hat on for a second Mm. um you know a lot of players that we're recruiting are in the life stage of young adulthood right Mm -hmm. so they're you know 18 to let's say you know 24 is kind of like our our main demographic for our players right now so traditionally, if you think about somebody in that stage of life, they're typically either going to a workplace or they're in college. Mm-hmm. And when you go there, you're learning a lot of life skills. 
um, and responsibility. And so I think what esports has actually done a really bad job of is there's a lot of handholding and enabling that happens. And as a result, uh, players are not learning these life skills. And so what we're doing is kind of opposite is that we provide the handholding where appropriate and necessary, but we're also providing a lot of freedom so that way the players can develop. Yeah. Uh, there's a kind of a moral responsibility that I feel where we shouldn't be doing a disservice to our players even beyond their time here at CLG. And we really want them to be successful moving forward. So whether that be successful on a new team or successful in life and in the workplace, uh, that's something that that is important to us. Obviously winning is important and competing. And so that's mm -hmm. always our priority. But when opportunities exist to provide additional value to players, we definitely um, jump on that. And so to tie this back to you know the original point here is that if we are doing laundry, if we are catering to our players beyond what we would deem uh, necessary sure. or kind of appropriate, like mm -hmm. we're not really helping them. And then that stuff actually does transition to in-game because players are just expecting things and they don't know how to like yeah. work when things get difficult or hard, right? A good example is this weekend, we're down 0-2. Um, it was tough, right? Like our players had to bounce back and they had to need that resilience. And so these these ideas stem further than just basic life. Like they do, mm. we do see them transition to in-game. If you're really cognizant and somebody that understands this stuff at a deep level, like you can pick up on it with players, uh, which is something that I would say our staff is exceptionally strong at. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. Because, you know, that, that less handhold, the idea of handholding less is it was something that was echoed in the podcast I did with Summer because we spoke a little mm -hmm. bit about the, the work that she does and how she's brought in people who will help them with finance and accounting sort of topics <clears throat> like that, making sure yep. that they know how to deal with money. And, and the, the reason why I say, uh, and I'm so fond of CLG sort of infrastructure and the work that you guys do is because of that, you know, that's unusual. That isn't something that would normally happen in these sort of environments. So it's wonderful to see that you can... Uh, not handhold, but push people in the right direction and help them with that development, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's just pr providing a resource that they wouldn't necessarily know how to tap yeah. into or, you know, showing them, hey, this is something you should be considering. Mm -hmm. um, the same is true for, like, getting their housing or apartments. Like, many of them have never done it, and some of our players do choose to live on their own. Biofrost, mm -hmm. obviously, we did a piece. He bought his own house. Mm -hmm. um, so there's players that are in different stages of life um, that are a little bit more mature than others or kind of have more life skills. And so we just got to meet them where they're at um, and everybody's in a different spot and that's okay. Of course. Yeah, amazing. The Biofrost house looked beautiful as well. Hopefully that was close so you didn't have yeah, to. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it was amazing. It's, uh, it's nice to see that those sort of things are being done for players as well because it's not always, uh, it's not always easy to have people hand-holding but also pushing in the right direction as well. But, you know, we spoke about the first thing which was um, talking about the performance center. But the other really interesting thing for me that I mentioned was uh, the coaching structure. And the reason the yep. coaching structure is so interesting to me is uh, it sort of mirrors what you would call a head coach in traditional sports, right? And obviously yep. in the UK where I live is you have football or soccer being the main sport, followed up with things like rugby and cricket. And head coaches in these sort of sports don't necessarily coach people how to play football or don't necessarily coach people how to play rugby, you know? So... Yep. Um, it seemed to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you uh, hire Weldon Green, you allow him the infrastructure to employ specialists and others around him that can advance the team and even cover holes for knowledge and, and gaps in knowledge that he may have as the head coach. Mm -hmm. um, and again, this is a, something new, right? This isn't something that you often see. The head coach is someone that's going to be able to sit down, always do 100% of the VOD reviews. Obviously, I'm sure Weldon takes part in those, but um, you know you know where I'm going. Yep. Um and it seems to be one of a kind in these sports. I haven't seen that structure anywhere else. So 
what was the hope uh, and the vision here in hiring Weldon and, and what were you hoping for with the team direction through this hiring process? Yeah, so good question. Um, I was personally very excited uh, for this process um, because it was my first opportunity on the league side to actually impose like the vision that I had mm -hmm. uh, because the previous staff that was there was one that existed when I got hired. Um, so this was kind of like my first shot at, hey, let's let's build this thing yeah. um, the way that I, I would like. Um, and so, yeah, to your point, you know, Weldon is more of a traditional head coach, which is exactly what I wanted when mm. I came into CLG. Uh, one of the first things I was tasked with was I said, go out and evaluate all of our head coaches, uh, to which I reported back. And I said, we've got some we've got some things to work on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I've said this publicly before I did a um, I did this presentation at South by Southwest mm -hmm. uh, and I've even told my coaches this uh, and so they understand like where this is coming from but I said there really aren't head coaches in, in esports I said we assign the title head coach but I said this is not I said a traditional head coach exemplifies and has this skill set and I and I listed out um, and I said this is not disrespect to anybody in the room on my coaches um, but I said some are further along in this phase than others um, and Weldon is like probably like the really only head coach that I've had the opportunity to work with in esports, mm. um, and that I've probably know of. I'm sure somebody will find somebody else to throw a name out there. Um, yeah. And so this isn't to say that nobody else does it kind sure. of hits these qualities. I just yeah. haven't got to work with them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so you know, Weldon, I really wanted a, a real head coach. I wanted somebody with a vision. I wanted somebody that could execute. I needed a leader, and I needed somebody that could tell people what they should be doing and, and how it gets done. And um, didn't want to carry that burden and, and be in the room every day trying to, sure. to carry that torch, right? Um, and that's where your head coach should be because if I'm the one that's doing it, I'm undermining the head coach. And then what's the role of the head coach at the end of the day, mm -hmm. right? They're just a strategist. Um, yeah which is historically what esports has done is you take former pros, you take analysts or you take somebody that knows the game really well and you throw them in as a head coach role and you say, Hey, run the ship. Yeah. Um, and that works to an extent, uh, some games it works better than others. But, uh, as we know, league has evolved so far that those types, I don't think are going to be tremendously successful long-term. Uh, some of them do exist and are well-known and are, are finding success and they, and that's great, and I think they will continue to find that uh, because they have a reputation and they can get away with certain things. Whereas, like somebody new entering um, as a strategist, I think is going to have a harder time. Mm. Um, and so, what we did was, I said, "Okay, head coach," and then I said, "I need somebody that understands the game very well, um, somebody that can go through picks and bans, somebody that just like understands the strategy." And Weldon and I talked about that, and he agreed. He said, "Yeah, he's like, I want somebody that can be ex excellent at picks and bans, and that can yeah. just outdraft." Um, and as we all know, like sometimes games are win and lost, won and lost in, in picks and bans. Mm -hmm. um, and so, with that being said, we went through a very thorough process to find our mm -hmm. strategic coach, which ended up being Irene, mm -hmm. and it was really. Uh, obvious that he was the, yeah. the preferred choice really. uh, for a lot of reasons mm. uh even our players uh, were like we need to get this guy and so we went <laughs> out and yeah and we did it <clears throat> so irene came on and so that really shored up like the top of of the chain around our coaching staff uh, we have an analyst who's awesome who was with us in our previous uh 
uh, under our previous coaching regime. Uh, and so we, we kept him as well. And then, um, as many people know, like Tafo worked with us, um, with me specifically. He's been working with me informally for probably about a year and then formally was transitioned to the head of analytics um, and, and scouting essentially for mm-hmm. um, the department as a whole back in February. So he's been working with our league team since spring split. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just provides a lot of data points for our coaching staff. Uh, things that maybe they have questions about, uh, whether it be like internationally or like, hey, what's going on with this particular champ? Like, can you give us some additional yeah. insights? Um, but, you know, to, to Daniel's point, he said this before, is like the coaches know about 95%. The other 5% are things they're just kind of either curious about or looking to be challenged on. And mm-hmm. that's what he provides mm-hmm. to, to help them out. Um, and then we also have Summer, who's our head of player development. So we tackle that. Uh, she works with her players on like out of game issues that are kind of plaguing in game is the best way to really describe it. Mm-hmm. And then um, we have Andrew, who's our chef, and um, we have our yoga instructor that we contract. We have a massage therapist that we contracted, and it's, I'm sure I'm missing other people, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty robust. Uh, but you know, we're seeing the fruit of the labor, and I think this year, 2019 specifically, what's happened is the top down are in unison, and our systems are in place, um, and everybody knows what they should be expecting and what they should be getting uh, from the staff, from coaches to mm-hmm. support staff. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's just the whole system is just it's just really in sync right now, and mm-hmm. uh, it's really exciting. Amazing. Because, you know, one thing that has been echoed throughout this podcast and, and on this podcast, I've had people from obviously North America, people from Europe, people from the UK, obviously not being part of Europe, but in the UK scene and, and throughout lots of scenes, surprisingly. Um, and when I say scenes, I mean regions as well, you know, whether that's France or Spain or Europe. One thing that has been echoed is the lack of ability. So when, when someone gets put in as a head coach or, or takes a role as a coach in esports, their lack of ability to yep. actually coach, the fundamentals of coaching, understanding, you know, right. how do we structure practice? How do I get the best yep. out of my players from a motivational standpoint? These are things that are often missed. And, and that's not to say that they can never be learned. Therefore, obviously, these things can be learned by individuals, but it's often overlooked. And let's just figure out who knows loads about the game and we'll whack them in a call with the five players or we'll whack them in a room with five players and see how it goes, you know. So it's amazing to see that not only have you guys sort of tackled that, which I think is wonderful, in the structural standpoint but also not just tackled it like almost seemed to have solved it in a way you know obviously it's an <laughs> ongoing project but having somewhat of a solution to this issue is is wonderful um but yeah yeah and i think what made it easier is so we have walden obviously who was already known previously biofrost had worked with him at tsab yeah. uh, and he was already somebody that was established and had a positive reputation yeah. and had the work experience to back it up mm-hmm. whereas I don't know if somebody without that type of experience could have had the same success. I think Mm -hmm. now they can, now that Walden has kind of trailed that path, if you will, Mm -hmm. where teams and players will will say, oh, okay, well, maybe we should consider this. And maybe they won't. Maybe it'll still take some time. Mm -hmm. But it's always helpful when you can point and say, hey, they've done this, um, and it worked here. And so because Walden, like I said, has, has led the way, um, I think it'll be easier for teams and players in general. And that's kind of always been the thing that I've noticed in all titles is uh, every new title always starts with the same issues. I could tell you exactly what they are and they always mm. exist. And then in two years, a lot of them start to go away. And it's sure. because 
players begin to trust management and the decisions because they've seen it before and they know what happens and it just takes that one team to do it the right way and then the management can say hey look at see i told you they're doing it and it's working and then players begin to to get behind it and so i think that i'd like to see that happen more uh in esports i think it'd be good for esports in general but become more competitive across the board yeah, I guess it's like just basic pattern recognition, right? In terms of yeah, exactly. how you, how you sort of not coerce, but convince someone yeah. that this is the right way to go about things. It's just seeing that it's worked before, as you say. Yeah, and that was kind of the issue I had with substitutes. Um, sure. And I was pushing for that for a very, very, very long time. Um, and C9 did it, and now they found success with it. And so now it makes it a lot easier. Fortunately, Walden already believed in substitutes, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to fight that battle with him. But, yeah. Um, it's it makes it a lot easier now for lcs as a whole to sub players in and out which historically wasn't something that had happened Mm. right then for those who were listening or watching after reflecting on the recording trinity felt that this question was missing a couple of caveats um, and certainly that there were some important things that we glazed over potentially um that were just passing through now the thoughts might have changed not changed but there's a slight uh, variation on it or a caveat to say the least so previously the question was to do with head coaches in esports and this was the topic that you wanted to add to so i'll, I'll sort of leave the floor to you trinity um to sort of take it away from there well cool. appreciate it yeah uh so as we were talking about head coaches uh, obviously i'd made the statement that said you know there really aren't uh, head coaches in the traditional sense as we understand it in uh, traditional sports and so uh, as I have had shared, I've, I've spoken to my coaches about this and uh, spoke on it at South by Southwest. And so uh, the the missing component here and the reason why I had made that statement was we don't provide uh, in esports, we don't necessarily provide uh, coaches with the same type of opportunities in terms of development that we do in traditional sports. So, for example, um, I have friends that coach at the collegiate level in traditional sports and uh, what they've done is, you know, they've coached through high school, they've coached at clubs, um, they usually get like volunteer positions in collegiate, um, they work their way up into the system to like an assistant coach and then eventually become a head coach. And so there's years of philosophies, theories and systems that they're gathering um, before they're eventually awarded the title of a head coach and uh, given the opportunity to go out and recruit players and, and develop them. Um, <clears throat> in esports, it's very different. We... Uh, similarly to players, we expect someone to go from zero to 100 very quickly, and it's a little unfair, uh, if if I'm being honest. So, let's just make up a title. Let's just say Fortnite. Um, so Fortnite comes out, you know, about a year and a half ago now, um, whatever it may be, and teams are putting together rosters, and you need a coach. So who are you going to assign as your coach? Right. Like this game is brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to bring there's a, a variety of uh, people that you can kind of choose from, whether it be somebody that just knows strategy, uh, maybe somebody that's a little bit more of just traditional sports background, um, but is listen, missing the uh, ability to really help and develop the strategy side. And so, like I was saying before, it's just, it's just a little unfair that we are trying to assign these head coach titles. And I think fans and even organizations to an extent uh, expect a certain caliber of, of coach to exist. Um, and some people slot in very well and meet a lot of kind of these expectations. Um, some people kind of just struggle. 
but again, like I said, this is a conversation we've had internally, and, and all of our coaches are in different phases of their careers. Uh, many of them have been now doing this for years and are, are very well developed. Um, but again, you know, right out of the gate, um, sometimes coaches aren't really necessarily provided this level of uh opportunity that we would kind of see like in, in traditional sports and the similar is true for players right they go from literally playing in their rooms to now being assigned to an organization representing sponsors expected to be a certain level of professionalism um and it's just like a zero to 100 and so i think esports as a whole uh, is really uh, behind in these areas and it's more so of a reflection of an emerging space that doesn't have yeah. its years of tradition uh, that we see in traditional mm -hmm. sports and so it's just it's just one of the things that exists and we can't necessarily get around it uh, but what we can do and what we do at CLG is we help um, personal development and, and around coaching so that way our coaches are, are elevating and so um, yeah I just wanted to add that uh, piece of this because I know this was a really important uh, component as to why you know I said what I had said yeah uh, but also to to kind of uh, share for those that kind of don't understand the the inner workings in mm -hmm. terms of, like expectations uh, just kind of what that looks like as somebody who's trying to be uh, a coach in the space and just kind of the opportunities that exist yeah for sure it's something that we have spoken previously on the podcast about as well is like if you look at traditional sports me for example i'm qualified through the lta which is the lawn tennis association which is essentially mm -hmm. the governing body for all things tennis in, in in england in the uk as far as i'm aware whereas in esports there's no uh coaching qualification no education for coaches say they want to get into league of legends uh, how does how do you go about it i guess you sort of just sit in your bedroom for <laughs> Uh, X amount of time watching VOD reviews and things like that. So that's maybe a reflection as well, as there's no route to getting better uh, and to improving right. yourself personally with with the help of an organization or a person. Um, so maybe something to add yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's a good point because you know I use the example of, of Fortnite and um, a lot younger than League of Legends, whereas we're yeah. seeing in League of Legends actually development of staff now mm. because it's been around uh, a little bit longer and a good example is our analyst our analyst is awesome uh, his name is brandon and uh, he's been with us now this is gonna be his full second year and essentially uh, where he started versus where he is right now he's developed quite a bit and even this past year um, we've tapped into him and uh, weldon and, and the different staff have said hey we want these different things in terms of reporting um, maybe giving him additional responsibilities and so he is learning uh, on the job and, and continues to to develop and so as the titles begin to develop and <clears throat> mature in terms of the player base and the way organizations are handling it and the uh, du the duration in which the title exists I think we'll, we'll see this um, but again like when you have new games that pop up like Apex for example right um, like how do you find a coach there and those become difficult for for organizations yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really interesting point as well, and I think it's good to have that in there. I think it adds a lot of depth and a lot of value to the to the previous points that we were making as well. So I appreciate you giving the time. Is there anything else that you wanted to add on top of that, or is that sort of sums it up for you? No, I think it pretty much hits it. So I appreciate uh, taking the time here to to revisit this no, and no. just kind of add that that clarity, and hopefully that provides some insight uh, for those that are listening in terms of kind of the development process. Uh, and some of the struggles that we we exist within the current ecosystem but hopefully we will continue to get them better and one of the things i would like to see is um 
coaches going from one title to another. I think that could be interesting to see, mm. um, especially like take BRs right now. Um, it will probably be announced here shortly, but there'll be something that we're going to announce around that um, that will kind of speak a little bit onto this topic um, in terms of like transitioning staff across titles. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that could be something that more organizations begin to do. And I think some of them have to, to some extent. Wonderful. Sounds super, super interesting. I'm glad that there was a little a little sneak peek there as well. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for your time yeah. and we'll throw it back to the episode if that's cool with you. Awesome. Sounds good. Awesome. Wonderful. Because you've mentioned a couple of times here as well about the fruits of the labor. And I think this is, you know, the more I see organizations and the more I see people going for a long-term approach in a short-term world, you have this sort of slump, you know, like a hump in terms of performance and then this like rise. So this is one of the things that CLG have found, right? Where potentially if you look more long-term and you look about, let's develop these players, let's get the infrastructure around them. This isn't something that you click your fingers and obviously we have all this success. It's like, oh, there we go, it worked. You know, It's not like a week thing, a month thing. Maybe yep. it's not even two splits. Maybe it's two years, something along those lines. Um, yep. And then you, obviously you guys, especially maybe not so much with the other teams, but more so in the League of Legends department, there was a slump that developed into this like rejuvenation this season that people were like, jaws were dropping in terms of fan reaction people were like ah, they're doing so well what is going on because if you look at tier lists and things like that mm -hmm. however much tier lists are a load of rubbish and not useful in the slightest um people would put clg <laughs> yep. slightly lower you know especially with not having an idea of the background and, and the situations that go on behind the scenes um but you know as the director yep. of esports we've spoken about the infrastructure but what is there other work and, and if so how much work has gone into this redemption arc as such yeah so I would say that the infrastructure obviously has been a large portion of it, but at the end of the day, our players are a huge part of this. Mm. Um, if you put out a bunch of S5 players, then uh, you know <laughs> it doesn't matter how good your infrastructure yeah, is. Of course, of course. And so while this conversation has been a lot about our staff, like I think it's very important to recognize our players and what they're doing. Uh, and a little bit of pat on the back to the staff in terms of you know who we went out and recruited and why. Um, but at the end of the day, like our players are the heroes and they are the ones that are going out there on stage and come back from an O2 to win um, the third place game, right? And so with that being said, I would say that a lot of this credit also deserves to go back to the players because they are the ones that are buying into the systems and actually executing against it. Uh, whereas it'd be very easy if players wanted to to just kind of push against, push against, and then mm -hmm. um, all the things that we're trying to put in place just don't come to fruition. So uh, with that being said, uh, a lot of players have bought in. And again, this comes back to Weldon already had a good reputation, already had the success. It makes it a lot easier. I had um, John Smith, who's never coached in league before, been Weldon with a different name. Like, yeah. I don't know if the players buy into the same thing, right? Sure. So with that being said, like a lot of credit goes back to the, the players. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of hype around Wiggly, specifically the mm -hmm. split. Um, you know, he did go through kind of some of the natural rookie-ness that you would expect in the first split. And uh, he too is, is buying into working with our staff and working on himself to bounce back and, and be the player that we always knew he was. And it's a large reason why I pushed Walden. I said, like, we need to we need to really look at, at Wiggly as we were going from 2018 to 2019. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because we saw a lot in the academy as to, like, who he is and what he's capable of doing. And when Ray is 
clicking or Wiggly's clicking, and he's in his in his zone. Uh, he's he's amazing. He's, yeah. he's great. You know, he's a large reason why that team was able to get to the finals for Academy. And I remember specifically in spring split, or sorry, sorry, summer split. And uh, I was talking to to somebody at MSG, and I said, Wiggly has he has it. I said exactly what he had in Academy. I said it, it finally clicks, and I said he's there. And I was really excited. I think it was like week two. And I was like, Wiggly's going to be Wiggly that we knew. And then sure enough, he'd done it. But going back to the original question is, Mm -hmm. you know, he bought in. He was putting in the work and the effort um, to get where he knew he should be. And um, that's true across across the board for our players. Amazing. Because, you know, it's not it's not always easy, as you say, to buy into things like this, especially when um, one one opinion that I've seen is. Why do, uh, why, what does it matter how much sleep I get? What does it matter if I exercise? <laughs> or you know, I'm playing League of Legends. Teach me how to be better at the game. You know, and this is something yep. that is hopefully you know, especially in the more professional end of you know, full time, regional NA or EU. This is hopefully something that dies out if it hasn't died out already. That sort of attitude. But again, as you say, yep. the props definitely need to go to players because it, it's something that you do need to like accept and go with. Uh, and sort of not trust blindly, but but trust enough to be like, right, let's give this a go. Let's see how this goes. You know? so, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like when I was in therapy, like my clients, the ones that, you know, were finding success and they were overcoming whatever they were coming into originally to, to work with me. And they would say, thank you so much. You were so helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And like, it would be all about me. And it's like, it's actually not about me. It's like, it's you. Like I could have the answers, but you yeah. need to be the one that executes. And that's how I view our players as well as like, we could have the answers and we can have the right infrastructure, but they have to be the one that goes out and actually acts against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you have to create a culture and a system in place for that to happen. And i um, proud of the staff here that we've been able to do that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Because, you know, this is another thing, and we're going to mo- move towards the more businessy sort of side and, and potentially more yep. your realm away from that, if that's cool with you. Because one of the things that CLG has done is you guys put a lot of time into streamers, uh, and you have a, like, mm-hmm. a, a relatively large stream team as such, obviously LS being one of them, and Rush joining more recently after yep. um, his time playing professionally in NA, now becoming a, a CLG streamer. Um, I, I'm interested yep. as to why this is something that CLG put so much care into. Um, because obviously this is something that is more brand focused than uh, mm-hmm. success or trophy focused, you know. So I, sure. yeah, it's an interesting topic for me. So I'd like to get your take on that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think esports. Well, I don't think I know. Uh, <laughs> esports is very much in a brand ambassador, content creator. Um, you know, really developing your brand and getting your brand in front of uh, different individuals. And so our streamers, while we like to support them um, because of who they are and how they represent themselves, uh, there's also the business aspect, which is, you know, because we like them, they're good representation of what CLG is. Um, They can go out and also represent us uh, as they are streaming. And so there's that component to it. Um, We also have done historically some interesting content pieces with some of our streamers as well that want to be more involved. Um, you know, Yaswo uh, did a piece with us as mm-hmm. well. Um, and so there's just like a lot of flexibility and opportunities that that it provides. Plus, some people just really want to be with CLG, yeah. which we're not opposed to be. Yeah. Uh, opposed to it either um, because of a variety of reasons, whatever it may be. But um, yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you know, League, like with Rush and um, our different streamers, you know, 
because they're well known and because we're obviously a competitor in that that space, it makes a lot of sense for us to partner with um, these streamers. Um, yeah, and we're we're excited to to be working with them and support them however we can. And I would say on the streamer side, similarly to the players, like we try to provide value beyond our original commitment mm. uh, to each other, like beyond what the contract says, essentially. Sure. Um, so if there's things that we can be doing for them because we are sponsored by Twitch and we have access to to do things with Twitch like that we will whether it be like front page hosting or um, helping them like at TwitchCon and like doing different activations with us. Um, so those are always good partner opportunities and exciting when the streamers want to kind of go beyond just what the contract says and work with us and tap into some of our resources. Amazing, because I, I guess it sort of links. Uh, to this idea of, of giving back as well, a bit more fan engagement and letting people be closer yep. to CLG than just that's the team that I support and watch on my computer screen every Saturday, Sunday night, you know? Um, yep. I presume it's Sunday night. Is it in America or is it sort of midday when you play? So, yeah, we play Saturday and Sunday. Well, I'm on the West Coast. If you go around the East Coast, sometimes uh, okay. you're watching Fortnite, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I didn't, I knew, but when I was in New York for the World Cup for Fortnite, yeah. I. Our game was the last game, and it, I think we started like at nine o'clock on the East Coast PM. And I was like, "How do you guys watch this out here?" <laughs> like, it's like an hour from my bedtime. So, um, but yeah, um, yeah, we usually in the West Coast. It's usually during the days. Mm. So that that idea of you know being more than just that team on the screen, you know, I think is something that yep. you guys sort of tap into in a way. Um, and, and linking this idea of fan engagement back to the stream team, in NA, for those who aren't aware or haven't heard of it before, there's something called a tailgate. And I believe that's the right terminology, where essentially organizations and brands can link up with people who are going to, uh, whether it's, you know, the perfect example here is Riot when they go and watch the games live. But, I, I, you know, these things I assume happen at events and, and loads of other locations as well. But it's essentially a way that the fans can link up with organizations and maybe, you know, bag some merch or, or go and meet some people mm. in the way. Um, but I'm interested because this is something that obviously uh, doesn't necessarily always get the front of an organization's focus in, in terms of this. You know, we're, we're focused on performance, yep. we're focused on winning, I want to get the trophy. Um, but how important is this specific example of a tailgate like this? And, and have you got any other further ideas or executions on future fan engagement for CLG? Yeah, <clears throat> so we do tailgates at, at, um, we do tailgates at Riot. They provide that opportunity. We just did one that's uh, Detroit for mm. the, the finals. Uh, we had like a snow cone truck, so uh, fans oh, could come up and get blue CLG snow cones. <laughs> um, we had swag. There was all sorts of stuff that we were doing um, around fan engagement. At the same time, we also had a fan meet and greet too for the league players mm -hmm. uh, at Detroit. And then what we also do too is... We have viewing parties, uh, mainly in New York, uh, for players or sorry, players for fans to come and have a fan experience with one another uh, in person. And so, typically, it's kind of like a bar or like a restaurant that mm -hmm. the, they'll rent out, and then uh, we'll host um, parties there as well, so that everybody can watch the games together. Uh, there's a lot of things that we're considering doing in LA. It's actually been um, a piece that we've discussed for, I would say, six seriously for the past year now that we have the facility uh, there's a lot of creative ideas that have come across it's really just finding the right timing yeah. and the right event and not just doing it to do it but to like do it in a very meaningful way mm. so yeah fan engagement is, is really important obviously a lot of fan engagement in this ecosystem is through online while that's yeah. good and provides value 
Um, I think we would like to see a little bit more uh, live events. Mm. We've done, we did a Newegg event actually at Madison Square Garden with our Fortnite team where fans could come to MSG and they were able to play with the players and hang out and sign autographs. Mm-hmm. And then when we first had the partnership, we actually held a fan meet where many of our league players, uh, some of the Smashers and some of the CSGO players were there as well um, in to kind of meet. So it's something that we do and we consider um, and it's definitely important to us. And so we're trying to always find new and creative ways mm-hmm. that are meaningful to the fans. And the the hard part with it is they're geolocated, whereas online and esports, yeah. it's a lot easier. So um, yeah, it's just one of those things. So I think we do a pretty good blend between East Coast and West Coast. It's maybe in the, the center of the United States. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, the interesting, yeah, the interesting thing is like efficiency for me. And maybe this is going too far into the numbers sort of standpoint. But do you feel like mm-hmm. these are efficient ways of connecting or potentially finding new fans or connecting with previous fans and old fans and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. So when I spoke at South by Southwest, uh, add, I would say about 10 or 15 people come up to me like afterwards uh, and it was great and it was exciting and I would say half of them said um, new to esports, looking to find a team, uh, didn't know much about you guys but now that I understand your infrastructure and what you guys stand for and what you're trying to, to do and how you guys help players, they said I'm a fan and so it absolutely is important um, that's why I enjoy you know our discussion here today is you know just to continue to get the message out around mm-hmm who we are and what we do uh, as well as providing value to those that are looking to get into the the space and to coach and um, yeah, just to kind of understand how we do it. You know, we're not perfect, but I think we definitely are on a good trajectory and a good place, uh, especially compared to some of the competitors Mm, because it feels like knowledge for me right the more i speak to you guys from clg the more i'm like damn this is this organization is one that uh not necessarily as a team whilst that is a a reason but as an organization i can be a fan of doing the right things and and keep pushing out the infrastructure and and making the tick boxes of the right exercises you know this is something that progressively can make me more of a fan you know so maybe it's just knowledge and, and spreading the word as you say that's the most important Mm-hmm. But that pretty much sums up all of the questions that I wanted to ask. There is one last question, and I always ask this to everyone that comes onto the podcast. Um, and we have had a lot of different things in terms of an answer for this, and I'll go into what they are after I tell you what the question is. The last question is, what is one thing that you can teach me or the viewers from your world? Now, we've had little uh, bits of... Uh, when I've had a Polish person on the podcast, they've taught me a bit of Polish. Don't ask, I can't mm-hmm. remember it. That was eight months ago that's gone unfortunately for me um but there was polish there was marketing advice there was um just general quotes book recommendations anything like this so does anything spring to mind in terms of how you could answer that question yeah i'll answer the question that i probably get asked the most um essentially the same question uh we just had some connection issues so don't worry about that but yeah in terms of answering the question of what is that one thing that you can teach me or the viewers from your world yeah shoot from the hip because that sounded like a really interesting topic up to that point yeah so the number one question i get is how do i get into esports or how did you get your job um and essentially what i would say is the best thing that you can possibly do is find out what your strengths are uh be proficient and have a work experience that can demonstrate those proficiencies and then uh, sell against those two organizations. I would also say do not be hesitant to even provide 
pro bono work to demonstrate those skill sets to the potential employer at the time, mm -hmm. uh, just so that way you can get your name out there. Yeah. Um, because a piece of paper, a resume, and an email, while helpful and provides some value, um, there's nothing quite like seeing somebody actually work mm. and their work ethic uh, and what it is that they can actually do. And being, being able to demonstrate that to an organization, I think, uh, provides a lot of value. Uh, we've had people do it. We've actually have had people um, end up working for us as a result of that. Mm -hmm. And so I know it goes goes a long way. Um, but yeah, I would say like ultimately there's there's no crazy specific degree. It's just understanding what you do. And if there's a need in a specific organization that you can identify that, that need, then I would say reach out and, and push forward. Um, it could even be everything from finance. It doesn't have to be coaching. It doesn't have to be on the competitive side. Yeah. There's, there's just a lot right now. And organizations are becoming more and more professional each day and hiring more traditional jobs. Um, so I would say that that's an area that I would really push for. Yeah, and I guess it sort of links to the the rapid growth of esports. Because when you think about this, right, if you look at the, the sort of traditional sports versus esports world, traditional sports has been there for a lot longer than esports has. And this rapid growth mm -hmm. is meaning that people are finding out, oh, actually, we need that job title. Or, or maybe we need to add this in there that we're missing out on, you know? So maybe that sort of links into that nicely, that if you're finding a gap and you've noticed that could work, being able to demonstrate that is obviously really important, right? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Amazing. So that, as I said, that pretty much sums up all of the questions. So um, firstly, thank you ever so much for your time. This has been a really, really intriguing podcast for me, and I'm so happy that I can talk to people like yourself um, that aren't as front-facing. You know, these aren't, you're not wiggly. And I think that's really, really <laughs> nice yeah. to see that um, people like yourself would be so willing to chat about this. So uh, I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast and giving up your time for that. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. If, yeah. if people want to find you, they want to get in contact with you, they want to see what you're up to, those sort of things, where is the best place that they can do that? Awesome. Uh, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Instagram. It's a CLG, twin, uh, sorry, CLG Trinity uh, with three I's, T-R-I-N-I-T-I-I-I. A lot of I's. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, and then obviously uh, you can follow everything that we're doing on the CLG socials as well. Um, but yeah, appreciate the time and having me on. Perfect. Thank you so much. All of the links and all of the things that you just mentioned there will be in the description for the podcast. So if you're listening or watching, depending on if you're on YouTube or on any podcasting platforms, have a check out in the description and you will find all of those links. Thank you ever so much for everyone who has been listening. Thank you, of course, to Trinity for coming onto the podcast. I've really enjoyed this one and I hope you guys have too. So have a wonderful day and we will see you on the next show.